Good morning. I uh, <clears throat> left my bag with my Bible and notes and everything at home, and so I borrowed your pastor. I think it's his Bible, so this should be this should be twenty percent more anointing on this message today. Uh, glad to be with you here today. I uh, I did not get the memo about the dress code today, so. Uh, sorry, some of you guys, there's some pretty, there's some pretty obnoxious sweaters out there. It looks really good. Um, well, it's glad, glad to be with you here today. Um, yeah, we're from Northern California. Uh, anytime you see in the news about something part of California burning, that's probably us. And um, so we were excited to be here and get out of the fires and into the snow and uh, just glad to be with you here today. Did you guys have a good Thanksgiving? Everybody good? But it's still, anybody uh, already regretting it and ate too much, and then you're like, well, Christmas is coming, so we'll just wait till the new year before we start that keto. Yeah, that was me too. Um, well, hey, I just wanted to give you guys a, just a quick word of encouragement today. Um, honored to be here, honored to be in this house, a lot of legacy in this house, and um, you go to a good church, you attend a good church. Um, I was talking to uh, Pastor Lynn, and he was t- sharing with me over the last few weeks, I guess you guys have been talking about your church and talking about your church culture. Um, he said he's been preaching about that, and that's great. That's actually something I talk about a lot at our church, which is our church culture. And uh, your church culture actually matters a lot because no two churches are the same. And, and what that means is every church has a lane that God calls you to run in. And Valley Church has a specific lane that you're supposed to run in. One thing we tell our church a lot is um, we're not going to be exactly as you'd expect it, and we're not going to be good at everything, which is kind of a weird thing to say because people come to church expecting you to be good at everything. And if you're here for the first time especially, you're like, oh, I thought these were perfect people that were supposed to be good at everything. No, right? Um, but knowing your church culture is actually really important. I encourage you, if you've, been, if you've missed a message or something in that series he's been preaching on, go back and listen to it. Make sure you know because it's not just important that we know, but also that we can help honor and support the leaders as they lead the way in running the race here in town. Like this church has a specific calling on it, and it's important that we know it. You following me? Okay. So I just want to really just affirm that today that your church culture matters, who you are and, and what you do matters, and the more that we can, more that we can align together and, and, and know what the vision of the house is, and ru- we can run in the same lane, and you can just go further. How many of you know it's, it's easier to, to make some progress, and everyone's kind of pulling on the same rope, right? And so anyway, really, I just want to encourage you to equip yourselves in that, and so he was telling me all about that, so I just, I guess I'll just piggyback on that today a little bit on this idea of your church and, and the importance of the church. Um, when the holidays come near, my heart just automatically turns to family. So we're talking a lot about family in our church right now. And, and uh, you guys, everyone had, you probably either had family in town or you are the family in town. And uh, my heart just gets drawn to that. And we, we talk a lot about family in my church. We talk a lot about our family legacy and, and kind of what we're building and so I thought I'd, I'd share something today that is kind of, a, it's kind of a, a dominant message at our church, something we talk about a lot, and maybe uh, kind of meld that with, with your church a little bit and give you a little bit of encouragement about your family. Um, 
Every family has a legacy. Whether you're here today and you're married or not married, whether you were adopted or whether you know your family, you know, you know your great-grandparents, um, whether you're a man or a woman, whether you grew up in church, whether you didn't grow up in church, whether you're young or not so young, uh, wherever you are, your family has a legacy. And there's absolutely nothing that you can do about that legacy up to this point. You've received a legacy. And when you look back on it, all of us can look back on our family and we can identify things that we're really uh, proud of and happy about and we really like about our family. And we can also probably all identify things that we, frankly, just wish weren't part of our family legacy, right? And, and, and some of you are like, like, as Thanksgiving has drawn near, like you got to, it like becomes more acute because they're there at your, your dinner table, right? Um, some of you have family legacies that are um, filled with uh, divorce and like a brokenness relationally in your family. And you can trace that back. Parents, grandparents, some of you have that legacy. And it just seems like it's almost been like a genetic trait passed down where it just doesn't, we just can't seem to get the marriage thing right. And then some of you have wonderful legacies on family. You've got strong, powerful family legacies. And mom and dad stayed together and, and moved forward. And some of you have legacies that are filled with debt and never having enough and always broke, and always trying to strive. And then some of you have the opposite. Some of you have legacies that are filled with wealth building, and financial security, and generosity. And, and you can go on and on about this. Some of you have family legacies, and maybe you're here, and, and, and you've never, you have no spiritual background in your family, and you're the first um, generation of believers. And if that's you, by the way, that's awesome. Some of you have changed your family legacy just by being here. And some of you have passed down. I was, uh, I'm really proud of my family legacy. In fact, my, do you know this? My family legacy goes back. My great-grandfather was a pastor, so I'm trying to figure out how many generations that is. But I, I feel a sense of honor about that. That's something I'm proud of in our family. But no matter what, whether your legacy is filled with health and, and security or whether it's filled with brokenness, whatever it is, and I'm sure you have a little bit of both, I want you to know this. You can't change what happened in the past. What you've received is here. And even if it wasn't your fault, you had nothing to do with it, you can't change that. But I will tell you today, you can change the trajectory of your family legacy right now. Um, where you are in your, if you, if you could just see the, the great swath of time that your family inhabits all the way back and then forward into what you can't see. Right now in this moment, whoever you are, whether you're a teenager, whether you're a grandparent or wherever you are, right now you have your family legacy in your hand. Right here. You're driving it. The decisions you make today are going to either continue the legacy that you've been passed, or decisions you're making today are going to change the trajectory. And I want you to know there's a lot of power in that. And some of you need to hear that today because some of you, when we preach about this stuff, when you hear the lofty goals that the Bible sets up and the high bar that the Bible sets for things like relationships and money and spirituality, some of you, and I know this because I pastor a church, some of you automatically have this little voice in your head that goes, that sounds awesome, but man, you don't know my family. That, you know what, that sounds great. I wish we could have that, but you know what? 
you don't know what I go home to. You don't know what our family, you know what, there's brokenness in my family. I mean, that's great. I would love that. But there's just something, our family just, you know, that's a spiritual thing. There, You just, I wish, I'd, that's great, preacher, but, but you don't really understand my family. And I just want to call that out right now in this moment and say, that's a voice of the enemy. That's disqualification. That's saying, but God can't change what is now into something great. And I just want to tell you, the, the root of our faith is not that just, God's, that just that God saves us, but that the Holy Spirit transforms us. It's a supernatural work of God that transforms us. And if you're here today and the, even the topic of your family makes you tense up and get a little sad and get a little regretful, I want you to know today it can change. Your family trajectory can be altered. Things can be made new. Things can be better. Don't limit God. Don't let that voice of disqualification speak into your family legacy and, just, and, and call you just, well, we're just going to keep it the way it is because this is just who we are. No. No, no, no. You can change your family legacy. Things can be better. No matter who you are. We can't change the past, but we can change the trajectory. So let me ask you this question. I'll get to the church part here. Um, Let me ask you this question. Think about this. This is a question that my church has been pondering for the last month. If you're looking at your family right now, here's, here's, here's a legacy question. You're thinking, like, where do I start? Where do I start? How do we change? You know, I, I see the things I want to keep, but I also see the things I want to close the door on. I want to change. So how do we do that? Let me give you a question to start. Maybe if you want to write this down, think about it later. It's a very important question. Here's the question. What is honestly the most important thing to my family? What's, what is honestly the most important thing to us? It's kind of an interesting question, huh? Like we kind of, I feel like we kind of, don't you kind of feel like you kind of assume that your family knows the answer to that or that you're kind of operating in the sense you know the answer, but have you ever actually written it down? What, what is, or maybe, what, what is, let me give, let me give it a different, different way. What is, the, what is my greatest hope for my family? If anything else, what is the greatest hope? How about, let me give you one more. What do I, who or what do I want my kids to become? Many of us, if we think about those questions, we have this sort of nebulous idea in our heads. We're kind of going, well, I want them to be successful and happy and have money and find the right person. Those are all sort of just vague things. But if you actually wrote down, what's the most important thing? We did this, my wife and I, and decided that the most important thing for us, for our family, is that our kids served God. I mean, like, I have a lot of dreams. I mean, uh, Dad, I have a lot of dreams for my kids, and, and, and I love her up here, and she's so smart and all that. I love hearing that, and that's great. And, all, and, and, and I want my kids to find and marry the right person. I want relational success. I want them to be financially secure. I want them to be happy. I want them to find a career that they will enjoy and be productive. I want all those things. But if those things all don't pan out exactly right, the most important thing, the, the one above everything else, is I want my kids to serve God. If, if nothing else, if I get that right, if, if everything we're doing as parents right now and everything we're constructing and the atmosphere of our home is conducive to that, if, if, if nothing else, we get that right. And some of you here are sitting here today and you don't know it, but that was your parents' greatest hope too and you're a product of that. But that's the most important thing. That's what we write down. That's our big thing. More than anything else, I want my kids to serve God. I want my kids to follow Jesus. I want my kids to be a vital, vibrant part of his church. 
So when you think about that, again, you may even in this moment have these great hopes that get stirred up in you and then and then think, yeah, given my family history, that doesn't seem likely. And I just want to encourage you, aiming for God's ideal is still worth it, even if it does seem impossible in the moment. Don't limit God. Think big, dream big, believe big for your family. And if you're here today and you're not married, if you're single and don't have kids yet, this is so important. Because this, what you establish today is going to carry into your marriage, it's going to carry into your kids. Some of your parents can say amen to that one, right? So, so... In thinking about this, this thing of legacy, that's what we, we talk about this a lot. We've been doing a series about this. And thinking about this, I wanted just to give you, to kind of tie in what your pastor's been preaching to you for a couple of weeks now. I wanted just to tie in what I believe to be the biggest determiner of having a strong family legacy. And I preached weeks on this. And we talked about finances. And we talked about health. And we talked about relationships. And we talked about a whole bunch of stuff. But this is number one. This is the thing that everything else sits on. This is the thing that produces all the other positives that we long for in our family legacy. Um, And it's found in Psalm 92, verse 13. And in fact, it's actually, I found out while I was here, it's actually kind of written on your wall in the lobby out there. Uh, Yeah, there you go. I took a picture of it and sent it up there today. Can you read that? I'm going to read it to you right now. Psalm 92, 13 says this. And read this as a member of your family. Those who are planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish in the courts of our God. That's a great family legacy verse. If you want to write something on your walls, if you want to write something you remember, if you're you're one of those nerds that writes things on your mirror to remember them, write this verse down. Those who are, I'm just kidding, we do that too. Those who who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. This is the biggest thing. This is the thing from which everything else flows. Financial legacy, financial success, relational legacy, relational success, all the other things, career, everything else flows from this one verse. And here's what it means. Um, We have a lot of great, there are a lot of great tribes that we belong to. And, uh, well, everyone here is part of some sort of tribe. Uh, we have, um, you're, you may be part of an exercise tribe. Anyone here like have a workout buddies? So, well, it's Thanksgiving, so I'll give you a pass on that. Some of you, all right? Um, we have, uh, around our, our area is like super into like Peloton fitness and all that. So they all have these like workout things they do. And my sister's involved in that. They get up at five in the morning. It's just nuts. It's just nuts. No health is worth getting up that early. But anyway, um, some of you are, are, some of you have tribes at work, right? Like you have people you work with and you have a little community around your, your and you guys get presents for each other and you support each other and care about each other. Uh, some of you have um, interests, like you're interested in hunting or you're interested in cars or whatever it is. And you have a little community and the internet makes this, you know, social media makes this a lot easier. Every one of us has little tribes that we continue. Uh, some of us have neighborhood, really really close to our neighborhoods. Uh, sports is a big one. I have a tribe. Uh, I'm, I'm trying not to look at my phone because my Niners are playing right now and big game and, and they're all going to be blowing up my phone about it from the Pacific time. But anyway, all of us have uh, tribes out there. But here's the point. And these are all really wonderful and great ways to connect and great ways to grow with each other and great ways to, to, to have community. And it's all great. It's all wonderful. But I want to just point out that there's only one tribe, there's only one family that God instructs us to plant in with the promise that we will flourish when we do. 
Did you get that? Like, not, uh, none of the other ones are bad, right? All good, all healthy and great, and, you know, whatever, what, exercise or hunting, whatever it is, none of them bad. But only one tribe, only one family, only one association that God says he instructs us, plant here, join it, plant it, get your roots down, because when you do, you'll flourish. That's big, huh? Pay attention when God promises stuff. When those who are plowed in the house of the Lord, what? Will flourish. Do you want your family to flourish? I do. Now, I know this sounds like simple stuff, but it's actually not. The church, well, let me put it this way. One of the greatest indicators of a family's long-term success and progress is going to be how deeply they are planted in their local church. And I say that out of just pure experience. There's an amazing correlate between that. The deeper your family is planted in the church, the more successful, the more progress, the healthier, and the more they'll flourish. You know why? Because it's right here in the Bible, because God promises that. And I'm not saying it's going to be perfect. I'm not saying it's to solve all your problems. It's still got to work. But there is a corollary here. And that's because the church is the eternal family of God. It's the only thing that's eternal. It's the only thing in this world that will outlast everything else. I was just reading a thing the other day and they found some micro black hole that apparently is orbiting our solar system and they're worried now that it's just going to suck everything in. Maybe. I know we don't, like, if you're an Enneagram, like, you're, I'm a one, so we worry about things like this, right? But, but, like, maybe. Could happen. It could just suck up the whole universe like a vacuum cleaner. But guess what? The church will endure. The church lives forever. It's the only thing you plant in that lives forever. Think about that with your family. You want your family to flourish? You want your family to grow? You want long-term stability and security and growth and progress? Plant your family what God says will flourish when you do. The church is God's eternal family. It's an and it looks like something. By the way, it's not just this thing up there. It looks like something. It looks like right here. The Bible in the New Testament never talks about the church without referring to a church. It looks like something. And it's this body, body of believers right here. The body of believers transcends uh, geography and age, blood type, race, financial status, who you grew up with, what your background's like, what your IQ is. It transcends all of that. Everybody is welcome in the family of God. And so here's what I want to tell you is just simply this, is that our family legacy is safe when it is planted in the house of God. Whatever you're longing for, whatever your great hope is for your family, the Bible says it is safe when it is planted, when the roots are planted down in God's house. Now, I don't know most of you, but I can tell you this, that if you want your family, and listen, I want your family to succeed. In fact, Dana and I have grown our church really on this topic. We preach about this constantly. We talk about family and legacy. Our church is fairly young, a lot of kids everywhere, and we just, we just pour this into our church again and again and again. But this is the one thing to remember, and it sounds so simple, but it's not. It's actually a very deep thing. Plant your family's roots in church. Plant them into the local body of believers. Plant them here at Valley. Get the roots down deep because there's a promise that your family will flourish when you do. If you're here today and you're a teenager, you're young, and, and you're hearing this right now, write that down for further reference later because it's going to matter. It's going to matter. Our family legacy is safe when it's planted in the house of God. And th there's a lot of reasons for this. 
There's a lot I could say about it, but just, you know, there's, God knows that in order to change our family trajectory, in order to bring us to the place that he wants our family to be, we're going to need to find freedom. You know, freedom, freedom is two things in the Bible. Freedom is the initial God breaks the chains, and then freedom is God teaching you how to live free. And that actually matters. Like my daughter, uh, when was it? I don't remember what it was. It was this year at some point. My youngest daughter um, finally graduated from uh, her, uh, her crib, which is basically a jail that you put kids in at night. <laughs> and she graduated to a big girl bed. And here's the thing. Like every, well, the, the process was every morning, like at 6 o'clock, she would get up on her jail and shake the bars and go, Daddy, Mommy, I'm up. And like not ignorable, and you have to go get her in. And the interesting thing about that is uh, the first night that we put her in her big girl bed, she was so excited, you know, and she's just super jacked, and she's in her big girl bed. And, and you know what the funny thing is? The next morning, around 6, we heard, Mommy, Daddy, I want to get up now. So I staggered in there and looked at her, and she looked at me, and she's sitting there on her bed, and it's only, you know, a foot off the floor, and and you know what I found out or I discovered? Something very deep about my own life, which is just because we've been freed doesn't, know, doesn't mean that we know how to handle and live free. Like she had the bars were gone, but she had no concept how to do it. And that's what God is doing. If you read the book of Exodus, the entire book of Exodus is God saying, hey, you're not slaves in Egypt anymore. And they're like, ha, ha. but we still think like that and we're still complaining like that and we kind of want to go back where it was safe in jail. And, and God's like, no, no, I'm going I'm to make you go through some hard stuff because you've got to learn how to, li like how to live free. And, and guess what? That's pretty much what we're doing here at church. Like, it's not a secret what I do up there every morning. Like, when I get up there on Sundays and preach, we're trying to preach the word um, to say, when, when you've decided to follow Christ, when you've been baptized into his family, you're free. But let me teach you how to live free. Let's, let's see how the word teaches us how to actually experience freedom. And that's one of the reasons our families need the church. And just a few things here that we need and that God gives us. Really, it's, it's the need to be deeply cared for by God, if you think about it. And the way that God deeply cares for us is by giving us a family to care for us. Um, think about things that we need. We need healing, don't we? Don't we need healing? Physical healing, emotional healing, psychological healing, get our thoughts healed relationships, healing. I mean, just, just, I'll just keep going until I hit everybody here. We all need that. And that's why he gave us the church. He gave us the church so that people could pray for our healing. He gave us the church so that we could be instructed and encouraged by others' testimony on how God had healed them. We need uh, a place to belong, right? And so that God gave us the church, his family, so that we could find real relationships with people that were walking in the same direction as we are, that are the same priorities that we do, and that we can encourage us in that walk. I really need the church in that regard, by the way. Um, we need teaching, right? The Bible tells us don't, don't be little kids. Don't continue as little kids. Don't sit there sucking on the bottle of milk, right? He said grow up, eat protein, get strong, get swole, get ripped, right? He says build, build yourselves up spiritually. So how do we do that? Do people say swole anymore? Kind of? Not really. Okay. Keep going. Um, so that's why he gave us the church, so that we could be taught. 
so we can have the word of God taught to us, that it could be preached to us, the application and the inspiration of the word so that we could help learn what was truth and what was error. We need teaching. Our family needs all these things. We need equipping so we have the church. We have people that help us equip and discover our talents and gifts. And I heard you guys were talking about this last week, but let me just encourage you again. Every single one of you, every single one of you, has a gift or a talent that is designed to be used in the service of the family of God. Everybody. Please hear me on this because part, one legacy I know about, one legacy that does get passed over is, um, is this one. Go to church. Can I just come down here? I don't really like this song, but all right, preacher, impress me. Oh, we're standing, we're done now? Prayer, okay. And that's it. I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands, but I know there's people here that that was your entire legacy with church. We go to church for however long it is, and we go home, and that's it. It never once occurred to us that we had a, a vital part to play and that I had gifts and I had abilities and I had something to offer that nobody else did. Hey, listen, as the church, we'll cover your area, but we won't be as good as if we were if, if you would take that area. I mean, I'll, I'll put someone out there to greet that is only like a six on greeting and they're kind of like, I always look bummed out and like, I'm, well, there's someone at the door, but like, they really like, don't look like you want to be there. But you, you like 10 on, you know, like number seven on the Enneagram, super excited, really glad to be there, have this gift and ability of pumping people up before they even get in the auditorium. I really want you at the door because that's a vital area. It's a vital area. So don't just sit there, get on the team and use your gifts and talents and abilities. equipping it's a big deal everyone in your family and i'll just tell you this we're breeding this into my kids my kids know even now we give them little things to do and they have little parts to play at the church because we want them to know you don't, you belong here this is, there's a place for you here you're gonna when you grow up there you're gonna take on more responsibility the church depends on you uh, and just just plain encouragement one of the reasons we go to church one of the reasons we're part of a, a community is just encouragement how many of you guys needing how many of you need encouragement on a regular basis i'll just put my hand up you know, Ravi Zacharias said this, even being in the presence of fellow believers in worship is meant to be a restorer of spiritual hope. You ever have those days where you come in on Sunday morning and you really didn't want to go? You kind of dragged yourself there through the snow? Come on. Can I tell you a secret? It happens to me sometimes too. Yeah, there's some Sundays I get up and roll over and just go, oh, I don't know if I, I don't have what it takes to give the word today. I've had a bad week emotionally, really on the bottom end of things. Come on, you know what I'm talking about? Happens to everybody. Am I lying? We all have that. Not him. Oh, he's sorry, but sorry. I shouldn't touch not the Lord's anointed, but, but I mean, if he was saying. <laughs> everybody, everybody experiences that. But guess what? Then you come in. 
and the gathering, doesn't it just feel just to the gathering of people? People starting to come into the auditorium and the music starts going and, and they start singing things that, that like you wouldn't normally say, but then like your, your mind and your body and your voice are starting to sing things that are true even if you don't feel like they're true in the moment. And you start instructing your spirit and instructing your emotions and all of a sudden the problems that were this big gets this big and the God that was this big gets this big, right? And it starts to reorient itself like... Like, that's part of what you're doing here. It's not complicated. You're coming here today and you're going, thank God, because I was in a different spot, but I, I come in, I just feel the worship happening and my spirit resonates with that and I'm, and I'm growing and I'm just reminding myself who God is and I'm, I'm speaking the truth that God has in my life and even the lies that I've been believing during the week are starting to get smaller and getting the volume turned down. And Like, we need that, guys. We need that. All right, I gotta finish up here. Let me just give you a couple of things here to, to consider. Um, the local church is not just a, a spiritual checkbox. It's the center of our journey in following Christ. It's the middle. It's the warm sun upon which everything else orbits. It's not like financial life, relational life, career life, church life. No, no. It's God and his church in the middle and everything else orbits it. Amen. And some of you never, some of your legacies have never grabbed that concept. So you're going to change that today. You're going to realize that, oh, that's what it is because I've just been trying to check a box on it. And it's supposed to be the center of our family life. He says plant. So he says planted. Let me ask you this. Um, here's a question. When it comes to your family, has traditionally your legacy, has church been a weekend activity or a lifestyle? When he says planted, he doesn't mean just go there. Planting involves roots and time, and watering, and persistence, and getting roots down into the soil so they're strong when the sun and the wind and everything else comes out, right? You get the metaphor here. I don't even explain that. Um, one person explained to me this, and I loved it this way. He said, there's a difference between the Boy Scouts and the Marine Corps. <laughs> like, okay, so we'll think about it for a second. How many of us, we have this West, we have this Western Christian model that tends to view the church, it tends to view it as faith without planting. Following Jesus, eh, about the church. That's Western, a lot of Western Christianity. And then you read the Bible, of course, and it just grinds against all of that. Um, but it's true. There's a lot of that in our area, especially. Our area is extremely spiritual, extremely new agey, but we're 3% churched in our area. And the reason is because everybody has this spiritual awakening, but they don't get that it's supposed to be planted in the church. And so it leads all sorts of error and, and all that stuff. But think about it. The Boy Scouts, the Boy Scouts, and who's here? Let me see. Who's the Scouts? Give me some Scouts. Anyone? A few? Scout? Scout? Just, oh, just a couple. Okay, interesting. Um, the Boy Scouts is, uh, it's big in our area. Uh, it's activities that you do. It's mostly for kids. You learn some great skills and some cool things. Uh, you have fun on the weekends, have a good time, and then you become an adult and you outgrow it. You get it? Isn't that how some family legacy has been around the church? With something fun that we do on the weekends, we go and get a snack, we go and get some good teaching and feel really good, and then we go home, and by the time we get to 18, 20 years old, we just kind of outgrow it. And what the end of that is, I'll just say that I get them back when they're 30 and realizing that, no, that wasn't something to outgrow. That's the Boy Scouts. 
And just, just, to, just to put this in context, there is a point there where your family legacy makes a shift into the church being a matter of convenience and sort of a consumerized thing that we do and something that we ground our life in. And I will say this can be a challenge for some of us, and I, I hope I have permission to just speak bluntly about this, but it's, it's the one thing that is very often crippling otherwise great Christian families. There's this idea that like the kids grow up and they go to college and they get secularized and they stop going to church. The data is out on this. The data could, I, I, I have all the data at home, I can give it to you, if, email me if you want it, but, but the data on this could not be clearer. In Western culture, kids are not being secularized in college. They're being secularized at home. They're being taught this. The church is a place you go to. It's a really cool place, but God's real goal for my family is that we are happy and comfortable and have a great time with each other. That's what God wants for my family, that we're happy and comfortable and have a great time. That's the big thing that God wants for our family. And then you get to be 18 and you realize, I don't need the church to get those things. I can, happiness is everywhere. Happiness is cheap. Happiness can be purchased or injected or consumed or whatever it is. I can get happy anytime. I don't need church for that. I don't need church to have a good time. You can have a good time at church, but I don't need it to have a good time. And, and, and so, like, kids are just learning. Like, they're just running the playbook they get taught at home. And, and so I, I guess what I'm saying is, like, all the wonderful things we do as a family, we have to be careful that it doesn't turn into a worship of family that becomes its own thing because all the wonderful things. Look, I, I love my family. We get together. We have a great time together. We go on vacation together. We have Disney+. Plus. My kids, uh, if you don't have it, you will eventually. Just, just It's coming. But, but like we, we have a great time with each other. Any parents know what I'm talking about? No? All right. You're already on the train. There you go. There's my friend back there. Um, but, but like it, it's, it's all these wonderful things that we get to do. And listen, God, the, as we plant our families in church, it will produce these wonderful things. But listen, as wonderful as all these things are, wonderful family environment, my kids, playing sports, enjoying a rich, full life, those are all great things. But they will not save them. And so that means that no matter how fun and good and wonderful life is and how many wonderful experiences we can get, nothing gets to push Christ and his church out of the center of my family. Let me just tell you a quick story that I've got to wrap up here. Uh, my, my son, has uh, my kids all do sports and uh, the gymnastics, and, and my son's been playing baseball for the last couple of years, or t-ball, right, and, and now it's baseball. And, and so he was six, and he was on his first uh, t-ball team, and um, he... Uh, played and then he was picked at the end of the year as an all-star and he's six <laughs> now <laughs> he's six but of course in in daddy's heart my son is an all-star baby <laughs> Woo! my son is an all-star right and i'm like and and so anyway um they had the all-star game and the all-star game was at uh was at 11 15 or something on a sunday morning and uh, we have two services at back home, and, and so Dana and I talked a lot, and we're like, well, it's a one-time opportunity. He'd broken his arm earlier in the year, so he'd missed half the season, which made him even more awesome. All-star, right? All-star dad. And, and so, so we're like super psyched, and we're like, all right, so we debated about this. All right, we'll go to the first service, like, and then Dana will take him after first service is over, to the, and he can do it for this one time. 
Well, then this year he was seven. And uh, we went to the practices, and they told us uh, we were at the first practice, and the coach was like, yeah, so we're going to have five practices on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. Now, please hear what I'm saying right now, because I'm not down. I'm, I, my kids play sports, and that's not what I'm talking about. But, and I just knew at that moment that there was, there was like, okay, this is it. This is a defining moment for our family. And so I spoke up and said, yeah, that, that's a hard no for us. Like, um, that's great, but we, because I mean, I'm doing the math, like, that's like 10% of the weekends of the, of the year for practice. Oh, and he's seven. And, uh, and so I said, yeah, we're, we're not going to, it's a hard no. We're not, we, we, Sunday morning is the, fa- is the morning, we, we worship on Sunday mornings. That's what we do. That's, that's what we do. It's not like they're in the same level. That, that's what we do. And the interesting thing, interesting part of that was, as soon as I said that, two other dads standing near me immediately piped up and went, yeah, no, us too. Yeah, we go. It was almost like they're waiting for somebody to give them permission, which goes to another thought, which is that this whole concept of like, how come they schedule sports on Sundays and how come they schedule sports on Wednesdays and it's so anti-Christian. You know, I don't, it's not anti-Christian. I don't think so at all. There's people just doing what they do. I'm just wondering like what would happen if all the Christian parents really like set their priorities and how, what, what that kind of effect that would have on, on these things when they realize, dude, these people put God first and we're not going to be able to change their minds. And so I, I don't, I don't want to like, this is kind of off topic, but I don't want to like get into that. I'm not against, I love sports. My kids play sports. We do lots of fun things. But like the point is, there's this pull, constant pull on my family's life. It's constantly trying to pull Jesus and his church out of the center of it. Know this. It's constantly trying to pull your family just a little bit of a time. And what we're trying, and listen, my son, like he was a little disappointed, but again, He's seven. He'll get over it, right? But, but more than that, I'm trying to teach my son, son, in your life, if you want to follow Jesus, there are some thing, times when you're going to have to say no to some really fun, good things in order to say yes to the best things. That's the Boy Scouts. The Marine Corps is something different. Anyone here in the Corps? Anyone? Oh, usually I get it, at least one or two. Well, here, let me tell you, I got Marines in my church, and let me just tell you, um, Marine Corps, you, it's not, they don't say, um, I was a Marine. There are no former Marines. When you're in the Corps, you're a Marine. And there's something about that, like, I'm, I'm not, I don't go to a church, I, I am, I'm part of the church. I am in Christ. And there's like this serious identity to that. And, you know, I, I love that you were just talking about being a PK because I'm a PK and, you know, PKs, we have our own, sure, we have our own things. I mean, I remember sitting outside, you know, eight years old, sitting outside my dad's office door at 10 o'clock at night while he's counseling somebody and listening to things. There's no way I should have been hearing at that age, right? Man, some people are messed up, dad. Yeah, I know, son. But I will say this, uh, and I'll just, uh, on behalf of the legacy that I've been passed, let me just give this to you. One thing that I was passed was that church, it's your church. And, and I was never pressured into being a pastor. I didn't, become, I didn't start pastoring until I was 30, what, 32? Yeah, 32. It was never part of my trajectory, but it was just what God had for me and, and what he had been preparing me for. But I'll tell you what, what I was was given a, a family legacy that said, the church is a place you belong 
this is where you are, the atmosphere and, and, and taking ownership of it and, and being a part of this family is not, it's not an option. It's not just somewhere we go, son. This is, this is who we are. This is our family. This is the eternal family of God. This is where our family is planted. And so I'd just like to give you that today, and no matter where you are, and I, I know I'm speaking to people in a lot of different areas of life, but will you consider that those that are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of our God. What do you want long term? What is, that, what is the answer to that question? What do I really want for my family? All the other, and and there's, there's more to the series we did, you know, how to, how to create a strong financial legacy and relationship legacy and all that, and that's all good. But all of it springs from the soil of the church. All of it comes out of this. You don't get the other stuff without this. This is where God plants you. This is where you belong. This is where he said, put your roots down and you'll flourish. Put your family roots down. If you're here today, and I'll just, I'm just feeling like the Lord told me to say this right now. So there, there's some dads here today that needed to hear this because you've been sort of, well, I just want to keep my family and, and, and it's good that we went to church, but you've been kind of just waffling a little bit. And I just want to tell you, dad, what you do matters. What you do matters. Dad, have the courage to say, you know what, no matter what, we are planted in church. We're not going to be a once every other week or once a month family. We're going to be planted and dad's going to show you how to worship and dad's going to show you how to serve and dad's going to show you how to be transparent and let God do his work in me. You do that, dad, and you will plant a strong family legacy. And the same to you if you're a single parent or if you're a kid. Would you stand with me today? The enemy wants your legacy to be distracted and scattered and confused and most importantly the enemy wants your legacy to be constantly starting over and I just want to say from the bottom of my heart today that you're here today matters it means something but make a decision like Christmas is coming right now this is listen the, the statistics say are you guys doing a Christmas Eve service I can't remember did you say you are you are okay did you know that some, over the last five years, there's been a major transition. Easter is always number one, right? Everyone comes to church on Easter. But now, do you know what the next biggest uh, attended holiday for unchurched people is? Yeah. It's Christmas Eve. Mother's Day is bumped into third. Sorry, moms. <laughs> but you, you, know what, you know why? Because at this time of year, people are looking for answers. Something is resonating and they're hearing somewhere peripherally about Jesus and something is resonating and people are going to church on Christmas Eve. And I want to say to you, your family, one of the greatest things your family can do this year is make, make room and, and invite someone to sit next to you at church as you go up and through the holiday season and into Christmas Eve. If you're going to do that, you've got to be planted first. Praise God. Would you close your eyes? Let me just pray over you. Lord, I pray for everyone here today as we as we consider our legacies, Lord, and I just, I want to bless the families in this house. And Lord, anyone here that maybe sees their faith in the same way, maybe those here today that your faith has always felt like your legacy, constantly being shaken, constantly starting over, feeling a feeling of failure. And Lord, I pray that the reality of the gospel would penetrate every heart in this place. Lord, would you let us hear once again the precious reality that that which you have bought is eternal where can we go to separate us from the love of God 
He loves you. He loves your family. He died for your family. He died to bring your family into communion of the saints. He died to bring your family into the fellowship of his suffering, into the fellowship of the people of God. He died so that you could have access to the unifying power of the Holy Spirit. He died so that your family and your kids and your next generation, the generation after that, could know him and could be built. He died so that your family could stand on each other's shoulders and reach higher and go further. And I just speak that into every family here today. There's no losers. No one here has to start over. And if anyone here is feeling that disqualification and saying, yeah, but you don't know my family, I just say to you, no today. That's not the voice of God. The voice of God says, I am building my church. And if your family's in the church, I'm building your family. And so I pray today, Lord God, that you would give us a fresh hope. And as we go into the holidays and encounter family and I just pray that you would give us a fresh vision and a fresh hope for our families. I pray that this church, Valley Church, would flourish and blossom and that many would come to repentance and the knowledge of Christ here. I pray that our families would not just be survivors, but our families would be people that will open our arms wide in hospitality and beckon others in to grow this family, Lord God. I speak into the seats, Lord God, they are not filled yet, Lord Jesus. They're going to be filled by people that we invite in because the roots of our family are so strong that people come to get shade under their leaves. I just speak strength and power and the glorious reality of God's church into each one of your family. You're part of something eternal. The history of the scripture is your family history. Those are your people. And that future that we have is set in you, God, that is our family's future. And so I pray that and declare that over this church in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys.